Hi, I'm Eric Poulin. And I'm Robin Poulin. We're the co-founders of Calendar Budget, and welcome to the Calendar Budget Podcast. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. Okay, money psychology. Continued. Continued. Today we want to talk about living within your means. What is means? Income. It's pretty much what it is. It is. It's whatever you can do to provide for yourself. Um, big topic, actually, surprisingly, more than you might think. Um, two pages of show notes here that we're just um, going off of. So hopefully the podcast won't be a million hours long, but uh, lots of inf- like interesting topics to cover here. Um, first of all, what is money and what is debt? So we all need things to survive, right? We need food, clothing, shelter, warmth, sleep, love, maybe some other things. <laughs> um, and the, these are summarized by the famous Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, which I, I think is that. still taught in in schools. I think so. Um, so it's a pyramid. Um, and we'll, I'll try to insert it over the video here, but it's a pyramid of needs and you start at the bottom and you need to take that as your foundation. First, your bottom level is just your physiological needs. Like I need to eat and sleep and shelter. And then the next level is safety and security. That would be Ah. shelter and making sure that you're not fighting off lions and saber tooth tigers all the time. Uh, And then above that. You, you progress eventually to love and belonging. And the idea is that you can't really progress until you get this one taken care of or this next level is really not a priority. For yeah. example, you're not worried about being loved and belonging if you can't feed yourself and you're, you, you, you don't have air or you don't have food kind of thing. Yeah, when you have a sense of desperation for those basic needs, exactly. you don't have space to think about those because you're still in desperation mode. Exactly. So then we have love and belonging. And then the second level is safety and security. And then the top level is something they call, sorry. Self-actualization. I got that wrong. The the second top level is self-esteem. And then the very top level, self-actualization that you just mentioned, which is like doing altruistic things and, and bettering yourself. And, you know, hopefully that's where most of us in North America find ourselves in that self-esteem level and then self-actualization but sadly, that's not the case. There's a lot of people that are still just trying to fight for their basic economic survival, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to money, like money is what provides us with those needs. We all need that food, clothing, shelter, warmth, etc. And money is the means of exchange that we use to get those things, right? I have one question. If you are stuck in that uh, basic level, how do you get out of that? Can you break the cycle? I'd say yes. You can. You have to. Because you can't progress to higher level human social needs until you get that taken care of. Because you're always just going to be worried about where's my next meal coming from. Hard to think about love and belonging or self-improvement when you just can't figure out that bottom Mm -hmm. level. So yeah, you can do it. Of course, you can do it. Um, it's a struggle for some people, and circumstances are different worldwide. And, and uh, 
There's mm-hmm. uh, one movie that I love that portrays that. That's The Pursuit of Happiness uh, with Will Smith in it. I think it portrays that idea very well, trying to break out of that cycle. Some heartbreaking moments, but and the struggle is real. You can really see that and you the feel it. Real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, you, you do need money to buy these things. You, unless you live on a farm, then you can provide for your physiological needs. Yeah. Um, and you're and you're producing everything that you eat, but that's not a reality for most people. Most mm-hmm. people live in, in in urban cities, um, and we're you know we're creatures of of uh, our civilization. We mm-hmm. go to our work, we earn money, and then with that money we buy our needs. Um, in fact, Webster's Dictionary calls money a medium of exchange and measure of value. So while we go and get our money for most of us that's trading time for money we were just talking to our daughter like not moments ago about she's worried about what job to get and you know she's asking how much per hour what will her job be i'm like well we don't we think differently about money now that we're we've learned a little bit more about it we don't trade our time for money anymore Um, it's a different thing when you are our business owner and entrepreneur work smarter not harder hopefully but Trading time for money is how most people live. Mm-hmm. And it's an important way to understand and think about because that's the way it is. And people think I'm earning, I'm trading this many hours for this wage, dollars per hour, and that's how much I'm going to take home. Mm-hmm. And even when we're doing basic math to figure out how much we're going to earn in a, in a month or a year or a week, we, we do that basic math. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we need to do. We buy what we need so that we can get our needs. The problem occurs when our wants exceed our ability to get money and buy those needs. And that's where credit comes in. Exactly. Credit and debt, right? They basically mean the same thing, but Mm -hmm. it's basically uh, when we borrow money that we don't have to buy things, usually things that we want versus what we actually need. And we're going to get into that heavily in in actually right now so wants versus need what does that mean for you well first of all whether you buy it on credit card or you borrow the money from a friend that's still borrowed money wherever it came from it's the same thing yeah i mean it's it's still debt yeah at the end of the day not your money exactly the famous saturday night's live skit that i love (sighs) i love that one (laughs) the the most important financial plan you ever need it's only one page long don't buy what you can't afford yeah it's perfect um, yeah. it's a good way to talk about wants versus needs because that you know quickly people's wants exceed their ability to pay for in almost immediately and we need a house but do you need a like five or ten thousand square foot house when you only have two people exactly in many cases your needs to some degree are defined by what you can afford mm-hmm so we all have need for shelter. Mm-hmm. We all have need for food. But some people can afford a mansion and some people can afford organic this and that that's really expensive. Um, and other people can't. Other people are renting a, a small apartment and, and buying discount food that's on sale. And that's, that's the reality for a lot of people. And we, we've been there. Um, that's not a bad way to live. That's just the reality for many people 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to just curb or really define what is the difference between a want and a need. So do we need that big screen TV? Do we need the huge house? Do we need to eat out four times a week or even four times a month? Um, yeah, desperately wanting something doesn't mean you need it. <laughs> you know, it just means that you want it. And half the time, we desperately want something, we do research and figure it all out, buy it, and then it just sits in a corner, never being used or rarely being used. And so was that really a need? Mm, no, not so much. Well, if I want it, does that mean I shouldn't get it? Or is there a time that it's okay still to go for some of those wants? Well, we definitely have to strike a balance. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to forsake every comfort and every current desire for your future comfort. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to live hedonistically, which means you just do whatever you want right now and satisfy every urge at the expense of your future. Yes. And then when when it happens, you know, your, your future comes and then you're 60 years old and you can't afford the lifestyle you'd like or even a roof over your head it doesn't matter how much you look back to your 30 year old self and blame them the reality is it's too late at that point so you have to strike a balance i've seen you think very hard about your wants uh, over the years even from when we first got married that you wanted to learn how to play guitar and you're left-handed your mom has played before and played right-handed You're like, well, I don't want to invest all this money in this new device in order to learn this new hobby. So mom wasn't playing and she let you have her guitar. You strung it left-handed and knew that it wasn't going to be perfect, but it'll be enough to learn if you like the hobby or not. And you went with that for like a year or two, I remember. And then you're like, okay, I'm invested in this. I'm willing to invest in a better guitar. Not the best, just a better guitar that's still within our means that allows you to practice that hobby correctly with a left-handed guitar. Now, I may have pushed that, you know, to the limit. Yeah. Uh, and I often do that. I like have this I have this personal theory that we should go through a delayed desire period where we if we want something really bad, we should just delay that um, period so that we don't fulfill it immediately so that you can find out, you know, after a day or a week or sometimes a month elapses, are you still desiring that thing really badly? Are you still invested in it? Because mm-hmm. so many times it's a fleeting thought and it just disappears. And then you're like, okay, I didn't really didn't really need that. Uh, you didn't even really want it that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's striking that balance. And I think for me anyway, it served me very well to just have a desire waiting period. Um, in fact, good quote from somebody, friend of ours, Vicky Hartog, says, um, I like to say, you can buy anything with $5 until you buy something. Your imagination runs wild. You can imagine yourself with all kinds of things. But if you delay the gratification and don't buy, it becomes something else. You'll find that you get a great deal of pleasure by imagining what you can get, even if you never actually get it. I'm sure the thoughts along the way release endorphins of pleasure and you still have the five dollars try it it's quite amazing so some good advice there um some delayed gratification exactly 
it really does make it exciting when you imagine how it would go and not maybe not as exciting or maybe it is even more so exciting because you can do much more in your imagination than you can with the thing in your hand exactly and it's a good way to deter you know decide is it really first of all is it a want or a need i mean and we've done this exercise before where you go through your credit card statement and you're like okay really do i really need that did i need to eat out here no there's never a need to eat out because you could always buy groceries and eat on the cheap mm -hmm. cook your own food do i need to pay my mortgage. Okay, yes, need to do that. But do I need to live in this expensive house? Maybe if this is a long-term issue, that could be a discussion point. But you, you can go through and, and you know categorize things as want, need, want, 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 need. You'll find that your list of wants is much greater than your list of needs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a great way to clean up your budget and look for ways to save if that's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, question about um, wealth, as we're defining living within our means and our money, um, there's a distinction between luxury and wealth, right? Luxury is right, having stuff and living a luxurious lifestyle, having the pool, having the new car, um, having the latest toys. But is that wealth? And do these things now own you? Are you have you paid for them? Exactly. That's the point, right? It's wealth is not so much the stuff that you have, the toys that you have. Um, Nor your income. It's not your income either, because when you look at it, it's your wealth is okay. You've got income you've back to accounting days. If you've ever taken a basic accounting course, you have income, you have expenses, and then you subtract your, in, your expenses from your income and you get your it's net worth, net balance. Yep. So wealth is that difference. That's the, the amount you keep at the end of the day after you subtract all your things you have to pay for yep. from your income. That's defined your wealth. And so it doesn't matter if you, even if you increase your job, let's say I doubled my income. You might say, oh, suddenly I'm wealthy. But if you just increase your spending commensurately, you haven't improved anything. Exactly. Well, I mean, you maybe live a more luxurious lifestyle, but you haven't improved your wealth an iota. If you can increase your savings, that increases your wealth. Exactly. Exactly. It's the stuff that you save. It's how much you can keep. Your savings define your wealth, not your income. Yeah, we've read a number of uh, self-help books over the years with, that talk about personal finance. And one in particular, I love the story that they go through that talks about basically building wealth. And that is uh, the richest man in Babylon. Hmm. That's what it was. I love what he said right from the beginning. This It's this guy telling his story of how he built his wealth and teaching other people how to do that. And so what he said is you have your purse. When you get paid, maybe you get 10 coins. It feels nice to have that in your purse. But do you rush in and just spend it all at once? He says, from now on, Take one coin and leave it in your purse. Use the other nine to invest in all the things that you need. You'll find very quickly that you can still survive on that. Yeah. And then when the next pay comes, again, keep one from that in your purse. And he said, what, what's going to happen over time? And somebody said, well, I guess eventually the purse is going to overflow and be so full. Exactly. So that's what happens. You keep a portion of that income you, that you have. And it's a fantastic story that teaches that visually that you can see how it works and how, how to help build your wealth. Yeah, of course, keeping in mind that that lesson is 
the setting is back in ancient Babylon. Exactly. So you apply it to, by percentages, right? One tenth of your income, not your coin yes. and, and purse and such. But yeah, it's a great story. Um, there's another uh, story or a book. And it's not a story. This is a book written by um, some authors who studied the lives of millionaires um, called The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how a lot of millionaires um, are just live everyday lives. They don't live lives of luxury because they're building real wealth. They're mm-hmm. not just out to live lives of luxury and, and buy all the new toys and cars. They just drive a regular car. You know, they may have a modestly nice home, but they have real wealth. Um, and in, in a time of emergency, they are prepared. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that they do that is by living a life of where they create an artificial environment of scarcity. Which means that you you basically live as though you're earning, if you earn this much, you live as if you're earning this much, mm-hmm. right? So all your expenses need to be covered, your wants and needs need to be covered in this much, and this is how much you actually learn. So that difference can go right into wealth building, and it's an excellent, excellent way to build wealth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's that. Uh, I love that book way too. of thinking. A financial buffer zone that allows you to be able to afford things when you need them. Exactly. Exactly. So you live below, within or below your means. Exactly. Exactly. So when How we, do you do that though? Well, that's, that's what we're going to talk about now. Um, you know, we talked about striking a balance between saving now and saving for the future and, and spending now and living life that's not just one of pure scarcity. You don't want to set an Mm -hmm. artificial environment of scarcity that's so scarce that you don't really live in the now. Walking around in rags all the time. Exactly. And you're saving so much for the future you because, you know, some people are like, are YOLO. You only live once and it's like, do everything now. You do want to save for this future guy, but guess what? You could die tomorrow and you don't want to have not lived either. Mm-hmm. So you got to strike that balance because like you say, um, and, and this is a quote from Fight Club as well, a great, oh, yeah. great movie. The things you own end up owning you. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you buy too many things, then you're not really building wealth. And after a while, you know, they start, that debt, that credit starts to pile up and eat away at you with anxiety. And man, that can be a problem. So when you have that, I think you have two choices. You can either increase your income or decrease your expenses yeah. or even better do both exactly in fact those are the only two ways to increase your wealth or mm-hmm. your money i should say um, is to increase your income or decrease your expenses but in fact it is better to do both because if you only increase your income and you don't either maintain or decrease your expenses if your expenses just catch up like we talked about then increasing your income didn't help at all. Because if you just spend all the extra money you're earning, you're, you're not anywhere further ahead. So yeah, important there. Again, living within your means means you've got this much, you need to live within it. So don't exceed that by having to go out and borrow money and and then live in debt and anxiety all your life. In fact, we've got some, in, some stories about how we've been able to do that. You, you, these are stories you love sharing. So I'm going to let you share these stories because I don't want to, you're better at telling them than I am. Um, so the, the cars stories. 
Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, using our budget, we've been able to plan ahead on calendar budget to see what our incomes and expenses were and walk up and pay cash. I remember when we went to pay cash, we our kids were getting bigger and they just weren't fitting in the vehicle anymore. The vehicle was just too tight, too small yep. for five larger teenagers. And we walked up and the lady said, all right, the finance lady, because they have to go through that to pay for the vehicle. Uh, is this going to be cash credit? What are you going to do? And we're like, we'll pay cash. Uh, well, are you going to the bank to get a loan? Nope, actually, we're paying cash. And she was totally floored by that. You could see that look in her eyes yeah. like, what? People do that these days? Yes, it's possible because you plan ahead. And then a few months later, we needed a second vehicle because the kids were so busy and the things that we needed to do as well that we needed to be able to get from different places at the same time. So a second vehicle came along and paid cash for that because we planned ahead. And that's how you afford things. Just yeah, and ahead. that's, I mean, that's not to try and brag. There's no humble bragging no. going on here. This is years and years of creating an artificial environment of scarcity, saving the difference and saving in a savings account for emergency savings. We knew that eventually we would need a vehicle. Yes. We knew that eventually we would need this and that. And so we had savings put away for that by living in a way that we didn't have to, you know, we didn't live in, in super luxurious ways. And we saw our friends that are like buying Jeeps and four wheelers and going out in sea dews and, and traveling and, and get, a lot, have cabins. And, and we're like, man, how are they doing this? Plus, not all of them had five kids either, so... Well, that's true. Yeah. But guess we what? We still did well. When they need a car, they struggle. And when we need a car, we write a check. Yep. And it's not because we're wealthy or rich. It's because, well... Planning. It's not because we're rich. It's because we planned, planned for it. Exactly. Planning your future is what it's all about. In fact, I remember in our early marriage, we, we talked about this even before we had kids. Mm -hmm. about saving money, budgeting effectively, and living within our means. Um, but there's a quote, one of my favorite quotes from our friend Colin Fenton. Yes. This is such good advice. If you walk away from nothing else from this podcast, listen to this quote. Um, he said, as newlyweds, one of our siblings shared this advice, which he learned from his bishop. If you are willing to live the first 10 years of your marriage like no one else would, you'll be able to live the rest of your marriage like no one else can. Gold. So when you think about that, yeah, it's fantastic. If you can sacrifice in that first 10 years, you can enjoy the luxury of the next 10 years and much further. Exactly. And again, you're not scrimping and saving so much that you don't enjoy your marriage or your life. But it's worth the sacrifice of creating that artificial environment of scarcity and just living a little below your means. Not with, when it says within your means, it doesn't say how far within. You don't live at 100% of your means, live within it um, a little bit less than your means, right? So that you can put some savings away for a rainy day because they always come. And be on the same page. That's important. For sure. That helps. Your budget helps you to be on the same page so that you can see what the means are and you can agree wholeheartedly of what's going to work, what the family needs, and make decisions together. Yeah, we would never, uh, as, a, as a married couple, as parents, we would never have been able to have the measure of success that we feel that we've had 
without being on the same page, mm-hmm. right? If there's one spouse that wants to buy, buy, buy all the time, and there's one that wants to save, 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 it's not going to work. <laughs> like this, the one who wants to save is always going to feel gypped or ripped off, um, or that this, you know, the spouse who's spending is is just taking the money, and it's not fair. You got to be open and communicate about this. It's not. You can't have one person all alone doing the finances in a marriage. It's got to be two-way street and open communication. Yeah. And you can't just you can't just seed the uh, the the budgeting activity to one person. You like you need to get involved, right? Even if you don't like numbers, if you don't like talking about money, like too bad. This is life. <laughs> you have to be aware of what's going on. So that you can be on the same page. Actually, I was just talking to one of our calendar budget users very recently. Mm-hmm. And they were saying how they work as a couple. Yeah. That the husband likes numbers. The wife doesn't like the numbers. But they both understand what's in the budget. There is no discussion of, oh, I can't have it. I can't have it. It's, hey, did you look at the budget, hun? Is it in there? Is there space in it for it? Okay, sure. No problem. If it's not going to break the budget, then we're fine. Go ahead. Exactly. You don't have to be a mathematician, but everybody can do basic adding and subtracting. We all went through, you know, kindergarten to grade eight level school, right? And um, But it's not a closed box. It's not what has happened in, if I spend this now, what can I juggle around in this category, this category? It's what is this expense going to do to my finances for six months from now? For sure. For sure. So recommendations. What do we want to leave people with as to-dos or things that they should think about for living within your means? Set savings as your top priority. Yeah. Put your needs and wants in the right balance that you can still enjoy things. Yep. Stay out of debt. And when you're out of debt and spend wisely like that, then when you want to enjoy those wants, you can enjoy it without guilt. Exactly. Uh, And I would second everything that you just said um, with the addition of figure out, is it a want? Is it a want disguised as a a need? Yeah. Um, Because oftentimes we say that we need things. I need this dinner out. I need this big screen TV. Yeah. Do you really need it? You know, it's like the, the other word that I don't like, deserve. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve everything and you don't need everything. Sometimes they're, they're actually wants. Call it like it really is. Create an artificial environment of scarcity is another recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, create that buffer zone. Make sure that you have some savings. Buffer zone and savings, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure that you're living well under your means so you can always save. And find that balance between present happiness and future comfort. Mm -hmm. do that and you'll live a happy life it's the secret exactly all right happy budgeting happy budgeting i can pay cash i can pay check i can pay wire transfer i can pay gift card i can pay credit i can pay anything you like i can pay cash i can pay check i can pay wire transfer i can pay gift card i can pay credit i can pay anything you like